Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, you know, go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Jay Mascus is an iconic guitarist, songwriter, producer, and singer based in his hometown of Amherst, Massachusetts. In 1984, Mascus co-founded the band Dinosaur Jr. with original members Lou Barlow and Murph, and Mascus has served as the band's lead vocalist, guitarist, and on some records, their drummer, ever since. He has also attended to projects like The Fog, Heavy Blanket, 
Witch and Sweet Apple, and has released five solo albums since 1996, including his latest one, What Do We Do Now?, which was released by Sub Pop on February 2nd, 2024. To mark the occasion, Jay and I connected for a talk about things like uh, Dino jamming on a Neil Young song recently with Lee Ronaldo and Kurt Vile, and other special guests like Kim Deal, who've been joining the band on stage lately, his own 1988 jam with the Pixies, and how he was invited to be in the band Nirvana by Kurt Cobain, our respective experiences in Oslo, Norway, and how people there prefer Snoop Dogg over Diddy, working with local musician and B-52's touring member Ken Mori, and Toronto's Matthew Doc Dunn on this new solo album, What Do We Do Now? Van Morrison versus Bob Dylan, band chemistry, and bands with interchangeable members like Metallica and Ramones, why his musical heroes don't always understand him, Dino News, touring other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That's the primary source of revenue I get for this work. You know, we're trying to get that uh, figure up as high as we possibly can. So if you've long listened to this show and thought about donating to the Patreon, now is the time to do it. We are also giving away monthly prize packs. There are other incentives to join. You get episodes earlier than everybody else, all sorts of things. So again, if you can, support me on Patreon today. Thank you so much. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with bricks-and-mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and a wonderful website where you can just order records that you want, and uh, if you can't get to those uh, stores, they'll ship those records right to your house. Say you want a copy of What Do We Do Now by Jay Maskus. Well, head over to blackbird.ca, type in what you're looking for, and if they can get it for you, they'll get it for you and send it right to you. It's just that simple. Again, visit blackbird.ca and support independent record stores in your neck of the woods as well. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, all fine independent businesses. This is episode 834 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Jay Maskus, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Jay, how's it going? Pretty good. Good. It's nice to uh, chat with you uh, again. Where in the world are you? I'm at home. Nice. Whereabouts is that again? Amherst, Massachusetts. Ah, lovely. Yes, we. Uh, I think the last time we spoke you were there as well. How long have you been there exactly again? Since birth. Hey, you never lived anywhere else? Yeah, I lived in New York, but I usually go back and forth. And how are things going in Amherst generally, would you say? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> you went for a bike ride? Everything's nice out there? Yeah, the weather was great today. Oh, nice. How often do you go biking? Pretty much every day. Is that replaced? Uh, uh, were you ever a runner or anything like that? No. No, okay. So you just, do you do it for exercise or just for fun? 
just for exercise. Oh, nice. Good. Well, it's great to uh, have you uh, on the show. Uh, this is the first time uh, you've been on this particular show I've been making for the last 10 years. And, uh, oh, it's my birthday. So it's oh, exciting wow. to have you, exciting to have you on, on my, on my birthday. Do you want to guess how old I am based on my demeanor and age? I mean, my, my voice. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, no. Can't tell, right? Can't tell over the internet. No, I'm 46 today. So I, uh, right. don't, don't know if you have, I think you're older than me, Jay. Do you have any advice for a 46 year old Vish? Woo. I really don't know. Just hope for the best. <laughs> Appreciate that. That's great. Well, congrats on this new and lovely uh, solo album. Uh, what do we do yeah. now? Yeah, congratulations. How are you feeling about it? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, my birthday was Sunday, so. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even, that was rude of me. I didn't even think to ask if your birthday was was close by mine. Happy birthday. We are both, uh, does that make us what? What does astrology say? We're Sagittarians? Sagittarius, yeah. Is that, do you believe in that stuff? I'll believe in anything. I don't care. Do you know what it means? What, what is what is our personality? I don't remember. Do you know what it means that we're Sagittarians? Is it, do we have particular idiosyncrasies or? I don't know. You don't know either? Okay. Well, all this to say happy birthday. Do you want to tell me how, can I guess how old you are? No, let's, let's not play this game. It's not going to be fun. Happy right. birthday. Happy I'm birthday to you. That's great. Older than you, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry uh, about the record. How are you feeling about the album? Oh, great. Um, I've just been busy playing a lot and uh, with Dino, and so I haven't thought too much about it. And then the singles start coming out, you know, and yeah, I watch the videos and... I like the, how the first video came out and the song sounds good. Nice. Uh, as we're speaking, folks, it's uh, it's not even 2024, but uh, the album is due out February 2nd of 2024. When did you uh, wrap up the sessions for this album? When was it done? I have no idea. Seems like a long time ago. Yeah. I, I only ask, uh, I don't need specific uh, dates or anything, but you sound a little... You're sounding like you have to reconnect with it a little bit. That's all. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I recorded it yeah, during COVID. And uh, I feel like it's been done for a while. So <laughs> so you have to reacquaint yourself with it uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. By the way, uh, you mentioned Dino there and a recent guest on the show, uh, Kurt Vile. And uh, yeah. it was great. We had a really lovely talk. But... Subsequent to that, I see all these clips on the internet of Kurt on stage with you and at least Lee Ronaldo, and I may be forgetting someone, uh, doing a, a Neil Young song in, was it New York? Am I right about all of this? Is this, yep. is this correct? Yeah. Correct. W am I missing someone? Um, yeah, my uh, guitar tech, Jake, was playing also. Okay, there you go. So can you just tell us about how that came about? Uh I'm just curious. Oh, well, we were playing the Where You Been album, which um, Lou wasn't out, even on, and uh, so we learned it. And a lot of the songs me and Murph hadn't even ever played because we just recorded them and then never played them, played them live or anything. And yeah. So it was, it was kind of hard to um, learn the album. You know, um, Lou and the old bass player, Mike Johnson's bass styles are a lot different, and... So we did definitely practice for a while trying to learn it. And um, 
then we just ask guests to come and jam, you know, afterwards, like we'd play the album and then try to get some people to come jam with us. Hmm. We did four shows in London and seven in New York so far. Wow. Okay. And so there's always a kind of guest jam is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So who else has participated that uh, we might know? The last day we had Captain Kirk from The Roots. Oh, yes. And Kip from TV on the radio. We had Jason Isbell, Kim Deal. Oh, nice. In England, we had Kevin Shields and Bernard Butler. And who else did we have? I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of people. Warren Haynes we have. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, by the way, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this memory jogging. I was just curious because it sounds like it's fun. It's, it must be fun for people to see you playing with all these guest stars. Yeah, sometimes it really stretches out our abilities. Like, uh, like oh, I didn't know we could play this kind of music. and hmm. It sounds okay. And sometimes things that seem simple are like the hardest things, you know, like a, playing a breeder song that just seems like it's one note over and over again, suddenly my hand cramped up like in solid into a rock. I'm like, I couldn't move it. I was like, ah. Oh, no. Because I guess I never played that whatever style. It's just like repetitive with my pinky. Hmm. So seemingly something really easy turned out to be the hardest thing to play. Was the song you, I assume you did the breeder song with Kim Deal, who you alluded to, was the song Divine Hammer, a.k.a. Divine Mascus? Just Divine Hammer, she sang, yeah. Okay, you didn't sing. I'm sorry, I'm making a slight joke, but for those people who have heard the recent episode I did with uh, Kelly Deal and Josephine Wiggs, uh, Jay, you may not be aware of this, we talked about you quite a bit and your contribution to uh, their album, uh, well, th- that song, Divine Hammer. Uh, what do you recall about, they told me their version of the story, but what do you recall about... Um, being asked to contribute to a breeder's album, getting the track, and then what you opted to do. Can you sort of tell that story real real quick? I don't know anything about it. I just I just heard the song and I'm just like, oh, I must have done that when I was producing them, but it sounds like I made up all the lyrics and I don't remember anything <laughs> about it. Okay. You have no sense memory of this at all. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I remember singing on another song and we made it like a duet between me and Kim. Oh, right. You love me now. Or don't remember. Cause yeah, all the words are different too. Like I must've just made it up as it was going along. Maybe it was just to test the mic. I have no idea. Interesting. Can I tell you what they said real quick? All right. So what uh, Josephine, by the way, has no memory of it really. What Kelly's there. Yeah. So what, what, what Kelly recalled was, they had that song, uh, Divine Hammer, and they thought it needed yeah. some really hot shit guitar. So they, I think they, if I recall correctly, they might have put a reel-to-reel in the mail for you. And by her recollection, you received it, listened to it, potentially misunderstood the assignment, and instead right. decided to put vocals on it instead <laughs> of guitar. Does any of this ring true? No. <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I think it's probably more my recollection than that. 
Okay, okay. You think she might? Probably just like testing a microphone or something. (laughs) Okay, well, I thought... Either one could be true, but I don't recall that at all. It was a charming story, if I might say. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's true. I have no idea. So for those seeking further context, this is all to celebrate the uh, recent 30th anniversary pressing of Last Splash. So this version of that song with Jay singing lead is on that. And that just came out a few months ago. Jay, did you happen to listen to that recently? I haven't. I'd like to get a copy. I I think maybe the other song, the duet one I did with her might be on that too. Yeah. Because that actually came out as a B-side or something. Okay. Well, I'm just suggesting there have been some, your, your name has come up a couple of times and, and with other guests. So it's just nice to finally have the real deal here. And again, com- I want to congratulate you on uh, what do we do now? This is a solo record uh, that sounds like a full band record. Um, how did sessions for this? And you mentioned that you started it during the pandemic. Let's start with, um, yeah. let's start with not, not with the songwriting per se, but um with the idea of, of you making a solo record that sounds pretty fleshed out. Um, can you talk a little bit about where this sort of came from? I'm just, I just wanted to uh, mention one more thing about Kim deal. I, I was really surprised when we were playing that Murph and Lou got really excited when they heard Kim deal was going to play. They're like, how do you know her? It's like they had never met her or something. And I was like, you don't know her. I just didn't understand that. <laughs> uh, they were really starstruck and like, you know, that was the only person they were like kind of freaked out and really wanted to play well. And it's like, I was kind of baffled that somehow they had never come across her or something because I've known her so long. Yeah. That's interesting. And it's especially knew the exact date when I met her because it's on a, on YouTube, there's a clip of me playing with the Pixies, just an audio clip at a party in 1988. Charles wasn't there, so I played Gigantic with the rest of the Pixies because I had heard it on tour a lot, so I kind of knew how it went. Hmm. And that's the first night I met Kim. I remember, like, December of 88, and I'm like, so I was kind of baffled that they have never somehow run into her or something. Yeah. It's weird. Well, that's a really cool way to get to know someone. So you you met that night, and and you had to fill in for Charles. Like, that's a lot. Is that the only song you played? Yep. Okay. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. For what it's worth, and to empathize with the uh, Lou and Murph, uh, Kim is someone I've long wanted to interview, and I felt like I was pretty close with this uh, last splash-oriented interview, uh, but it, uh-huh. didn't, it didn't quite work out. Apparently, apparently, and I don't want to spill too many beans, but there may be a solo album by Kim coming out in the next couple of years or something. So I was told a uh, you know hold, hang on to my hat kind of thing. So. Just to oh, okay. just to suggest to you and and to empathize with Lou, who's been on this show a couple times already, I relate. I've never met her. Want to talk to her? I hope it happens. So uh, she's great. Right. She's wonderful. It must have been nice for you and probably sentimental to uh, share the stage with her at these uh, Dino shows, right? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, were you excited? Yeah, <laughs> but not to the point where like. I mean, I don't know, not in the same way. Like, I already knew her quite well, and uh, so that that was the part that baffled me. Like, Have you ever had- ever been in a circumstance like the ones you're describing where there's a freeform jam with a special guest or you're called 
and ask to be a part of something. Is there anyone that's sort of left you the way uh, Kim left Lou and Murph? Hmm, I'm sure there has. Um, I'd have to th- think about it for a while. Nothing pops to my head immediately. Okay. All right. But it sounds like a feasible... I remember um, being really excited um, when Nirvana had Big John from The Exploited the guitar player was Nirvana's roadie when, you know, Nevermind came out. And I was really starstruck and excited to meet Big John. And he was really confused because he was their roadie at the time. <laughs> I'm like, Big John, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. And he was just like, kind of taken aback, like, why do you know about me? <laughs> <laughs> Your punk rock bona fides came through and he couldn't figure it out. That's funny. Yeah. You know, that, this reminds me, I, sorry to keep dropping uh, guest names on you. Michael Azarad was just on the show as well uh, because he, uh, have you heard tell of what he did with his book, uh, Come As You Are, recently? No. He basically reissued, are you, are you familiar with that book? Do you remember that book when it kind of came out? Uh, yeah. What was it? Did you ever read that book? I feel like I must have, yeah. Yeah. So what he did this year, uh, just I think in conjunction with, I guess, the anniversary of the book, and or is it in utero? I don't remember. 30th anniversary of something. He put oh, out yeah, something called... The, yeah, he, pull, he put out something called uh, The Amplified Come As You Are. The It's an annotated version of the book. And so he basically goes through the, the old book and writes these sort of blurbs that further contextualize things, in some cases clarify things that he said at the time, uh, correct things that, you know, just it's really great uh, for me and probably for a younger generation of people. But I feel like I bring this up because you mentioned Big John. At one point, I feel like it's mentioned that you, Jay, were potentially going to be invited to play in Nirvana. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, yeah. How serious? How serious was that? Well, uh, yeah, in, in the context, uh, it was the first time I'd seen him. And that show is on, on YouTube now. It's Nirvana at Maxwell's. There's a lot of it on online. And uh, me and Thurston went, I was reading about it in Thurston's book. He talks about it. We, I think me and, I don't know if Kim was with us, but I was with Thurston. And after the show, that's when Kurt was like, oh, you should join my band. And I was just kind of like, at this point, you know, like Dino was staying in hotels and Nirvana was still crashing on people's floors. And <laughs> so that's where my head was at. I was like, I'm not going to, I didn't really think much about it because there's no way I'm going to go sleeping on floors again, just as I've gotten out of it, you know? And yeah. I was, yeah. And, I, and they were, and Dino at that point was bigger than Nirvana too. So I was just kind of like, I didn't really think much about it. Yeah. In retrospect, obviously, whatever, whatever happened, happened. But in retrospect, do you think you could have added something interesting to what that band got up to? Um, you never know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you don't dwell on it. I mean, for some people, that would be a missed opportunity. But I don't think that's how you would. I'm guessing you don't view it that way, first of all. Yeah, I never thought about it. But it's also a missed opportunity not to kill myself also could possibly too, you know? Right. That's a, a darker way of putting it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's, you know, I could see anything happening, you know, it's just like, 
So it's hard to say if it's better or worse or what, you know, I don't know. Sure. No, yeah. I find things, I find sort of stories like that, which we could call sort of a a misconnection, if you will. It's not, that's not the right term for this, but yeah. um, it's just intriguing to come upon that sequence and then just imagine an alternate history for you, for Nirvana, and the sound you might have made together. That's all. And, and I, you know, it's whatever. It's a fantastical notion, but yeah. all this to say, it just can't, you, sorry, Jay. Your name has <laughs> popped up in numerous ways. I realize uh, in my life in the last few months. So I just, I, I just like want I to saw, say, it means I like, feel like I saw Michael Azarud backstage at our show the other night too. Like oh, passing, cool. I didn't talk to him. But I was like, is that Michael Azarud? Hmm. You would have, uh, you would have chatted with him over the years for his works and and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good man. I, I value the fact that he's. Uh, uh, we we met. We actually met in Oslo, Norway, of all places. Awesome. Uh, we were both invited to some festival in two thousand seven, and uh, and whenever he has a a project or something, I I say you want to talk, and he says yes. So it's nice. He's a nice guy. Yeah, I remember being in Oslo, Norway, and seeing Snoop Dogg and P Diddy playing. They would. Like play one song and then the other would play another song. You know, they'd switch, uh-huh. switch off, and like the whole crowd was really into Snoop Dogg, but no one seemed to know who P Diddy was in Oslo. So it was they would just kind of stare at him and like, who is this guy? He's dancing really bad, and <laughs> and Snoop would come on and everyone would be psyched again. So it was that was pretty funny. Yeah. No, I uh, have you been to Oslo? Uh, I, maybe in your travels, have you been there many times? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. I found it expensive. That's my main memory is that it was dark, cold, and expensive because I was just sort of mostly uh, you know going out to shows and things like that. But I don't know. Yeah. Does it stand out for you as being particularly expensive? That was my main memory. It's expensive as hell. Yeah, it's definitely expensive, but <laughs> I mean, it doesn't cross my mind as the most expensive. But it cro- you know it is definitely expensive. Yeah, yeah. actually. Just because I don't travel as much as you, what would you rate as one of the most ex- the most expensive cities? The one I guess that maybe I thought was the most expensive, maybe Zurich. Hmm. Like uh, trying to get a, you know, get a pizza and a say a Coke and a pizza, and it was like fifty dollars, and this was like, you know, in the eighties or something. It just seemed like insane. That is so weird, man. I landed in Oslo in the middle of the night. I had jet lag. First meal I go and get in some weird mall thing near the hotel. Yeah. Pizza. And it was a small pizza, and I calculated it. It was 40 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I, when I think of the expense, that I think of that ju- that small, expensive pizza. So that's weird. Pizza is the metric for <laughs> that's how you can tell what's going on <laughs> i think so go to go to whatever city order a pizza that'll give you the lay of the land i think jay and i are on to something here yeah well i appreciate that background i'm sorry if we went on a tangent i was asking you about your record what do, what do we do uh now yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about the conception of this thing as a solo record that like i said starts out as or, or has become i think one of a brilliant Full band, uh, infectious. Like it's a, it's like a pop record. It gets in my head. I really enjoy it. Oh. Where did this sort of come from, from your point of view? Well, I start out usually the solo albums thinking about playing it alone, you know, acoustic. And then 
I just inevitably, I just wanted to play drums. And then I was like, you know, the first few albums I did, I try to play solos on acoustic guitar to keep it acoustic, but then I was sick of it. So I just decided to play solos on electric. So it ended up, and then my friend was playing piano on it. So I ended up acoustic guitar and piano and drums on most of the songs and bass. So I guess it's kind of like a um, every picture tells a story kind of lineup, like acoustic guitar and drums kind of album. So, yeah, I don't really know how to replicate it live or anything. So I'm not sure what to do about that. Oh, you you don't have a plan yet? I mean, I plan just playing alone probably, but seems like it might be good to have a band, but I don't know if I'll get that together. You you have such a knack for these catchy arrangements, uh, both in Dino, all the projects you've, you've done. So I don't know. I, 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 it'd be interesting to hear this solo, to be honest with you. I think it would still come across, of course, but it does sound really cool. I, I just want to put that out there. It doesn't sound like a Dino record for those who haven't heard it yet. Right. It's just a totally different sound. I it, I will confess to you that the first time I ever saw you play live, Jay, was in Kitchener, Ontario at the Volcano Club. You were playing solo. Oh. I don't. Do you have any sense recall of what I'm talking about? It was a solo tour, I think. Uh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, do you remember when you ref- how often would you tour by yourself uh, while you were still attending uh, to Dino? Quite a bit. Okay, okay. So it could have been. I'm, I'm getting any times after Martin and me. I kind of around that time and since I I've played solo sometimes. Yeah. When you play solo, do you put together? Have you put together solo bands? Uh, sometimes I'd have an opening band and use some of the members and play some songs electric. That's happened. That's not a bad way to go, I guess, sometimes. Yeah. So it's, we don't know what's going to happen, but you plan to do something. Yeah. Now you've got some interesting collaborators here. You were, I think, were you referring to Ken earlier in terms of adding? Yeah. Yeah. For those who don't know, who's Ken? Ken is like the local uh, musical genius around here, I guess. And a few years ago, he joined the B-52s as a keyboard guitar player. He can play drums, bass, guitar, keys. Like, I just play him a song once, and then he writes, jots down a few notes and starts playing the piano, and it sounds usually pretty much perfect. That's great. Sorry, the B-52s is uh, hanging out in that area, or does Ken have to go see him? No, they don't. I, I don't know where they are, but they're not around here. I kind of feel <laughs> Actually, they probably one of them was in upstate New York. I remember had a motel or something. But they seem like a band that would know. all live together in a beach house. That's what I picture right now. I love the B fifty twos, but they seem eccentric in some level. So they heard tell of Ken. How does he connect with them? Do you know? I never asked him. Yeah, huh. I'm like just like oh, you see him on TV if the B fifty twos are playing. Oh, there's Ken. Huh. Yeah, I never, I don't know how that came about. Has he played in um, local uh, bands that we might know beyond uh, uh, where you're at there in Western Massachusetts? Yeah, he's played in a lot of bands around here. and um, He's played a lot with the singer from Miracle Legion. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, yeah, local stuff. I don't really know. Mm. They all like change names a lot and... Every year there's a local show where um, they pick a theme and then all these bands do covers on that theme. And 
he's always in like you know five or seven of the twenty bands or something. Hmm. And and do you recall how you met him exactly? Just from being around? Yeah, just from being around. Cool. A small town. I I feel like I read somewhere that um you mentioned that he's a, a something of a genius. Um, do you play piano? You play a little bit of piano, right? Keyboards. A little bit, like only the white keys. Only the white keys. Okay. Why do you avoid the black keys? I don't know. No reason. <laughs> are they are they too sad for you or oh, just no, out of- it's just it's just harder. I just like oh, okay. when I bang on it, it's just kinda seems harder to hit the black ones. Right. Okay. I don't know. Can can you've described as being able to play all of the keys? Is that how you would put it? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he brings a, a lot to the table. Do you learn from? You're such a seasoned and respected musician, uh, Jay. Do you learn from? At this point in your life, if if you bring Ken by, do you learn something from him? Yeah, I wanted him to teach me uh, the beginning of Saturday in the Park, Chicago. And first he thought I was goofing on him, but I really wanted to know how to play it. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I, I play that all the time." Oh. So one day I still hope to um, learn how to play that. Did he start to teach you? No, but <laughs> he played it for a second. And I think I tried to play it for a second and then I forgot about it because it does involve black keys. So it's a little, I, I haven't gotten to the black keys yet. I hear you. I hear you on that. And my son. I was, uh, there was a song on the last Dino record I wanted to um I wanted him to play piano on, but then COVID hit. Hmm. So I had to play it. And I had this keyboard, the mini Mellotron. I have a real Mellotron too, but I can turn the knob to tune it so I could play just the white keys, even though it was in a different key. So that was helpful. Right. So then I had to play the part. And he said it sounded all right, but I don't know. Oh, that's cool. It sounded better. Uh, just getting back to that Chicago song for a second. What is it about, um, of all the piano songs you could ask someone to teach you, what, what is it about, uh, Saturday in the park, uh, that, uh, makes you want to learn it? Well, it just seems awesome. I just like it. Are you a fan yeah. of, are you a fan of Chicago generally? Yeah. Hmm. Mostly, of course, like their early stuff. Yeah. People don't seem to, um, realize that, you know, Chicago was a pretty rocking kind of blues band, I guess, sort of like Fleetwood Mac in their early days. Their first few records are pretty rocking. And guitar playing is really good. Like Hendrix, that was his favorite guitar player, the guy from Chicago. Yeah, they had a lot of credibility. And then like yeah. Fleetwood Mac, I think, because they got so big and ubiquitous, people kind of write them off. Is that a fair way of looking at it? Yeah, and then, you know, they just kind of went schlocky kind of, too. Their music got not so great. Yeah. I grew up in the uh, 80s, pretty much. In the, well, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I grew. I was born in 77. It's my birthday, as yeah. I mentioned, I think. Uh, <laughs> so Peter Cetera uh, solo was kind of dominant on the radio uh, yeah. at the time. And then I only realized later, I guess, because I was a kid, you know, I didn't know nothing. I realized yeah. later that, oh, that's, he was in Chicago. It's the same voice when I'd hear Chicago songs. But, uh, yeah, there was a tendency. It, would you agree? He kind of, when you mentioned the schlock, maybe his solo stuff is, which was massive, as I recall, it was big, 
But is yeah. that what you're is that what you're kind of referring to as the schlockier side? I mean, beyond Chicago themselves. Yeah, that even you know, even Saturday in the parks borderline. You know, that's when they're already starting to schlock get schlocky in the. I think the early seventies they started their descent into kind of to make people you know not realize that they were good at one point kind of their journey to commercial success and yeah leaving behind the rocking kind of aspect of it <laughs> it does happen to lots of artists i think um yeah i don't know can you not the schlock bar but can you relate to that trajectory of being respected and underground and then you break out and then your old fans or blah 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 you know what i'm saying like could you relate at all to the trajectory of a band that starts out beloved and then has to kind of win fans back kind of thing. Again, I'm not saying this happened to you, but do you relate in any way? Oh yeah, that happens. Yeah. All the time. I mean, that happened already after we did our first album. I had that from people on our second album who thought we had, now we suck and you guys were better before. And why don't you, why do you sound like who's do now? And your other album sounds better. I mean, so that's happened you know, pretty much from the beginning. And I understand it too. I do the same thing with bands too. I just, suddenly I just don't like them anymore. They'll do something. And like I saw Metallica with the first tour with uh, Jason Newstead, and I had seen him before with Cliff Burton. And, and then I saw him with Jason Newstead, and I was just like, that's it. I'm not listening to that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is it was it Jason's fault? Was it his fault? Well, I guess it is his fault. It's sad to say, but he's the one who joined the band, so I guess it is his fault. <laughs> but is that sometimes I get like this too? Like, uh, I want to see the uh, original. I, I I like uh band chemistry, and I, yeah. and so when people leave a band or and the band continues. Again, you can probably relate to this too. People measure you up against the old chemistry. Not only the songs, they miss yeah. they miss the old gang, the way you work together. And then when you reunite, uh, if you if you're able to, if you have the good fortune that everyone's around and they can do it, the old excitement seems to come back for the old audience that you used to have, maybe or still have, and then the new audience is like oh my god i'm seeing the original version of the band again it's great i don't know yeah. that's a thing would you agree that's a thing is, is that about the chemistry is that about where the band is at in their trajectory i feel like they're it's a bunch of things happening at once but uh certainly i think it's uh, the chemistry it's like you like the band and the sound of the band and then when you take a part out then it's not the same so yeah. it's up to you whether you still like it or not i guess at that point as uh, someone who has played the drums for many years and has been a drummer in bands, I have mm -hmm. a bias to thinking the drumming can be a huge, one of the biggest factors. Maybe not, some would probably say lead singer uh, is up there too. But a different yeah. drummer, well, you're a drummer too, Jay. What do you think? Is the drumming, is that going to tilt uh, or, or rather, you know, put things off balance the most in a band chemistry situation? Uh Anything could, but yeah, the drums is crucial for sure. Yeah. Now you play, did you play all the drums on this record? Yeah. 
Now, I, I, I marvel at this still, and I know it's pretty simple. Are you someone who puts the drums down first and then layers everything on top? In the past, yeah, that's how I would usually do it, yeah. But now I, I think only on one song I did that, and then the rest of them I did the guitar first. Just for the, the, the people listening, what is the rationale between the two approaches? Uh, I will I will b- basically say that you would put the drums down first because that's the timing and you want to make sure all the other things align with that. But now you have the experience of doing the opposite. Is what I said accurate on on the whole? Is that that's why you put the drums down first? Well, you put the drums down first because you got to it's almost impossible to play drums after the fact. So unless you have a click track Right. And uh, otherwise, it's quite hard to play drums to someone just playing a song on guitar or something. Hmm. I mean, some, you know, you've heard of that happening, like Astral Weeks or something. There's some great albums like that, but it's definitely difficult. But some people think it's difficult to, you know, when you're doing that, you have to hear the whole song in your head and play along with it on the drums. Some people find that really hard to wrap their heads around. It's so weird that Astro Weeks just came up because I was having a text exchange with my friends uh, Mick and Colin today. Out of the blue, Mick's like, Vish, who had more rated 10 albums, Bob Dylan or Van Morrison? And I quickly wrote back Dylan. And then that started a little debate. Um, uh-huh. The other friend thought it was Van Morrison. You want to weigh in here, Jay? I would say Dylan. I mean, what Van Morrison only has Astral Weeks, really, that's a five-star or whatever. Yeah, 10 or a five-star. Yeah, that's what I... He has amazing songs, but he never really had another album that was that solid, you know. What about Moondance? Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm glad... I I like it. I think it's good, but it's no Astral Weeks, and it's not... Maybe it did get five stars in the Rolling Stone record guide, which I used to buy all the five-star records when I was really little. Yeah. But I don't think it's... I would say it's almost there, but it's not quite. Yeah, I don't mean to diminish uh, Van the Man, but I wrote back and said, I think Astro Weeks, Moondance, and his suit from The Last Waltz, five stars. Dylan, it's endless. Like, Are you a fan of the... All right, just for everyone listening, yeah, I'm going to do it. I talk about Bob Dylan sometimes on the show. Do you like Bob yeah. Dylan? Have you seen him lately, Jay? I do like Bob Dylan, and I passed up the chance to see him lately because I've just been too seen too many bad shows I, that I don't want to go anymore. Oh, okay. When was the last time you saw him, roughly? Uh, roughly in the 2000s. Hmm. The tours were opening for him. Oh, Okay. And uh, that was really bad. I didn't recognize one song. <laughs> okay. And he had this organ that seemed more like a walker than an organ. It just seemed like he was holding himself up with it. And hmm. he'd play it a lot, and it sounded like a hockey rink kind of organ. But I don't know what he was playing, but I didn't recognize one song. <laughs> I found okay. quite a few Dylan songs, but I don't know what he was what he was doing. I see. I, I just saw him three times this uh, past fall. I heard he was good. He just played in our town yeah, the other day. Kind of. Yeah, that's right. I, I, as we're speaking, that, that tour would have wrapped up uh, somewhere around your area there. And uh, 
I thought they were great. I flew home to Toronto. I flew home to Ontario to see them from where I live now in Alberta, and I uh, saw them twice at Massey Hall, and then I also saw them uh, before that once in Rochester, New York, and it was uh, very meaningful to me. And I won't go on and on about it since you didn't get to see them, and it's not the real topic of conversation. But uh, I will say I appreciate that you agree with me. Dylan had more five or ten star, uh, ten star. I don't know why he said ten. Five star uh, records. Uh, the Van Morrison. So we've settled uh, that debate. Speaking of Toronto and Canada, I noticed in the uh, credits here, one of your contributors, Matthew Doc Dunn, who again, not to name check or drop names, also been on this show. How did yeah. you connect? How did you connect with Matthew Doc Dunn? Uh, he used to hang out here a lot because he would play with uh, Matt Valentine, a local musician and so I I jam with him sometimes with Matt Valentine and yeah that's where I met him. And and so how do you go from you seem like a very open and generous uh, fellow there Jay? How do you go from jamming with a guy every once in a while to like hey come on and play on my album? Oh, uh, I just really like his albums and his uh, sound. So uh, yeah, I got I think I got him to get a single on Sub Pop, and uh, I don't know I just. Yeah, I think more people should should listen to him, I guess. Very prolific. He's hard to keep up with, usually. Uh, yeah. When I went to his house uh, to interview him uh, in maybe 2018, I think it was, uh, I couldn't, mm-hmm. he was so nice and generous. He's like, here, take some records that I made. And I feel like he gave me like 10 records. Like, it was a lot of records. And I was like, I don't know all these records. How do you do this? And he, so he's just very prolific. Uh, did working with, can or um, Matthew uh, impact you as a songwriter? Not like a lyricist, but did they contribute things that made you alter arrangements or alter songs in any particular way, or were they simply brought in to augment what you'd already laid down? I don't know. Yeah, just augment, really. Just kind of like, here's the song, see if you can add anything. But the piano, I just kind of liked it and just kept adding it to all the songs, I think kind of became the sound, you know, the drums and piano. If you the if you collaborate with anyone musically these days, like literally like let's write songs together, can you cite people? Like I I think some of us might assume Dinosaur Jr., but do you have like principal or primary songwriting collaborators in your life right now? No, I've never really like I can help people with their songs, but I've never really collaborated on my songs with anyone. Why do you suppose that is? I don't know. It just seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so. You if you come in to a band situation, you're like the song is done. Just play on play your parts to this. That's how it would work. For me, I I. You know, if I write a song, I hear, uh, basically I hear the drums, the melody and the guitar. So anything else is up for grabs like bass. I'm not necessarily married to any part, but drums, you know, people are, I don't have much room for anyone to, uh, come up with drum parts. Some people don't understand. It's like, why don't you let the drummer play? It's like, because to me, it's part of the song. It's already there, and there's no room there. But, like, bass, I don't hear, so you could play anything you want, and I would check it out. This falls in line with the fact that probably you're a guitarist and a drummer, not a bassist. 
Is that a way of putting it? Yeah. I like playing bass too. If you know, with other people, it's just not something I'd sit around and play, but hmm. it's fun to play it, you know, in a band context. But, uh, I guess drummers just don't understand sometimes that drums are part of a song. They just think it's the beat to the song. You know, it's just a, this goes back to what goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think drums are incredibly crucial. We make fun, people make fun of the drummer, but I think you take a, a different drummer. Your favorite song uh, by the Ramones or whatever, like Marky played them different than Tommy. He played those parts different. You know what I mean? And I was talking about Ramones yeah, yesterday. I think I was. I saw Richie first. That was my first Ramones show, and I thought eh, he's all right. But then, in retrospect, I thought I think after seeing uh, Marky, I'm like, wow, I think Richie's better than Marky, and I wouldn't have thought that. If I hadn't seen them both. Is the first time you saw Ramones in the early 90s or when did you see them? Whenever Richie was in it, I think it was early 80s. Early 80s, right. Sorry, I, I was just talking about the Ramones with someone today as well. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to remember. I know I was. they were surprised when I told them Marky came and went. Uh, and I was like, yeah, no, that's what happened. And Because uh, my son, my daughter's named after the, uh, my daughter's named Ramona. And my son, who is older than her, this all came about in some ways because when my son, who is four years older than her, when he was three or four, he became obsessed with the Ramones. And, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's their key demographic. <laughs> but it was a bit eerie. It was such. It was a situation where we both got. I put him in the car seat. I got in the car, the 2005 Toyota Matrix. I turned on the car and I had left the CD in the player and it came blasting out. And I was like, uh-oh, I better take that out and put the Raffi back in. But my son, even then, was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What was that? Put that back in. And that started it. He knew the first five Ramones albums, lyrics, sequence of yeah. the songs. He would call out what the next song was going to be. I was a little worried. It almost was like Rain Man-esque. I didn't know what was happening, but loved them. And it meant so much to me because I loved them. And then, yeah, then when my daughter came along, uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we landed on Ramona, but I think the Ramones were in the air. I'm sorry, Jay, you don't need to know about this. I'm just telling you, I have a deep affinity for that band. and uh, but, yeah. but their membership lineups sometimes escape me as I get older. It's my birthday and I'm losing my memory. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and I... I was surprised that I let, yeah, when I saw Richie, I was like, I'm not sure about this guy. He's okay. But then after when I saw Marky, I'm like, oh, I think Richie's better than Marky, which was strange, but there you go. <laughs> Marky is good, though. Yeah, but I thought he would be better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I appreciate Playing that. live. I mean, on record, he sounded good, but then when I saw him play, I'm like, hmm, I thought he maybe would. I don't know. I just some, somehow I thought he might be better. They were kind of in a bad state at that point with CJ Ramon. And- yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard to keep track of all the different Ramones and talk about band chemistry and people uh, longing for old yeah. lineups. Like that's a core example of that. Uh, you're keeping the. Yeah, you're, you're I'd keep- love to see Tommy play. That would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's sad they're all gone now, and uh, it's sad. Yeah. On this record, I was pondering the lyrics and I wanted to ask you about them. First of all, let me go, let me take this to you. You mentioned that you, you wrote 
or recorded some of this during the pandemic. Do you have kind of an overarching perspective or sense of who or what you were writing about on this batch of songs? Oh, uh, no. I ask because it's so much you, the, the, the use of you and I, like those pronouns in particular, I think they're on every single song. And I wonder if you have any perspective on, I know you just said no, so but I'm going to repeat the question because I'm stalling and I feel like I'm onto something. Do you have a sense of who the I's and the U's are on this batch of songs? Because it seems, some of it's very pointed. Uh, some of it is, uh, I think there's some regret in here. There's some, obviously a curiosity and emotional stuff. Sorry, let me rephrase the question slightly <laughs> in hopes that it'll jog your memory or, or your feelings a little bit. Do you have a sense of where these eyes and yous are coming from, who they are? Are they you? Are they someone else? Um, I would have to study it a bit more, but I, I don't know. Because sometimes it's, yeah, writing in the third person. and I'm not sure where some things are coming from or a lot of times it's people talking to me, you know, these are songs or, or people, these things people have said to, to me. So I don't know. It's hard to say generally. Okay. I appreciate that. Let's home in on a couple of, th- I don't want to. Okay. Here's the thing, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. Not the type of guy who wants to go on and on about their own songs. Is that a fair way of putting it? Just, you know, talking about music is, you know, has limited. <laughs> you'd, you'd much rather talk about their song. <laughs> you know, if you like it, great. If you don't like it, okay. You know, but. I can't, I can't help part of, I appreciate this. And sometimes I wrestle with this myself. Like, feels like the fun stuff happened when we were just talking about the Ramones. And then when I asked about the songs, which I thought was respectful of, of our time together, they kind of shut down my guests. I'm not just talking about you. So I, I wrestle with this too, but I can't, I can't help it. I've spent time with this record. I really like it. And yeah. so I just, why don't I home in on one song and maybe we can talk about that. And that song is, you don't understand me. And I feel like you were just right, vaguely. Yeah. That one I could tell you about. Yeah. That that's kind of like, uh, whenever I've talked to like, uh, old rock guys who I, you know, like, and, I get the sense they really don't understand me where I'm coming from. Like <laughs> someone I, I like, like say like Pete Townsend or Brian May or something. And uh, I just don't think they understand where I'm coming from at all. And it's really weird. And then, then you see someone like Dave Grohl, who seems to be friends with every old rock guy. And they seem to, they seem to like Foo Fighters when you're at like Pete Townsend or, yeah, some old rock guy. Something about the Foo Fighters really appeals to these old rock guys, and they can talk to Dave Grohl. And but then on the other hand, I, you know, I met Lou Reed once, and I think I picked a good time because uh, <laughs> I'd seen him around here and there, and I'd be scared to approach him because he seemed like he could be pretty surly sometimes. But yeah, then the time that I did meet him, it was awesome because he. Had just seen me playing as someone and I was playing some show where he was playing and he's like, and he comp and he said I was a great guitar player and he was in a really good mood that night. So it was great to meet him not being yelling at people and stuff. And oh, wow. That's lovely. 
So Lou, I, I saw in that moment, got who I was and got me and where I feel like a lot of older musicians don't really don't know where I'm coming from. And it's weird. And it's, that's kind of what that song's about. I think like you just, I know you don't get it where I'm coming from, but I don't know. Lou was a- not a good ass kisser, I guess uh, either, but you know, I really appreciate a lot of, older musicians and stuff but i'm not good at yeah i'm not necessarily they just think i'm weird i think I don't know. do you think you're weird i'm not weird to me personally i don't feel weird <laughs> it's a hard question can, to answer i know i can understand yeah people thinking i'm weird certainly but uh yeah to me yeah that's like you know people say oh you talk so slow and like I would have never known that unless I did all these interviews and people tell me I talk slow to me. I'm not talking slow or I'm not, not talking like people say I'm quiet, but, uh, but to me, I'm not quiet. I'm just like, whatever. I talk all the time. I don't know what you're talking about, but but if, yeah, if I, I won't just talk, I guess I just won't talk if it's just to fill the space. If there's nothing, you know, I don't know what it is, but yeah. I don't experience myself as not talking or talking slow or I don't know. So it's weird. I will tell you from my perception, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak to me is you have the same presence to me as certain comedians. I'm saying this carefully because I don't want to suggest that you are a laughable person, but your dryness is so funny to me. Sorry, is this insulting? I hope I'm not insulting you. Oh no, yeah, I'm I'm into it. Yeah, yeah I you, like you and comedians and I relate to comedians a lot. Yeah. I, I told Kelly and Josephine on that Breeders episode that hearing you sing, hearing Kelly's iter- version of the story, first of all, is endlessly amusing. We sent a guy a song to play guitar on, and instead he sent us a lead vocal. I know we've debated already slightly if this is a true story. But then hearing your voice, I, I said this to them, hearing you sing this song that I'm so familiar with from its uh, original iteration, every time it came on in the minivan, when I was driving, I would chuckle. So you have a presence that I think is not weird, It's but it's like, I think you're funny. Do you think you're funny in your music? Like, do you, does that come across? Yeah, I was, I did an interview with uh, Damien from Fucked Up and Fred Armisen yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Fred was saying. He always thought I was funny when doing interviews and stuff. That's one thing he liked about me. And uh, yeah, he always thought my interviews were funny. Yeah. Not to ding the bell again. Damien Abraham been on this show a couple of times and notably, and for the first time, Fred Armisen was just on with Steve Albini. Oh, wow. Why were they on together? Uh, well, Steve comes on the show once a year around this time of year. And again, as we're speaking, everyone, it's Happy New Year, but we're in December here. Steve comes on. Uh, uh, I've made it a point of having him on just ahead of the Letters to Santa charity that his wife, Heather Winna, organizes. Are you familiar with this? It takes place in Chicago. Yeah, I played it at once. That oh, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Fred, or rather, Steve comes on every year pretty much, and we talk about stuff and, and we we help uh, spread the word, I think, about Letters to Santa. This year, he was like, you know what? I want to bring, um, I'll just say this, what the hell. 
I want to bring uh, John Mulaney, who was performing at one of the, they did two events uh, in 2023, one in uh, Chicago, one in LA. And he says, uh, Steve says, uh, let's get Mulaney and Armisen in on this. And I go, great. And then Mulaney couldn't do it for scheduling reasons. But but Fred, who was in England at the time, uh, when we recorded it, he was touring around uh, uh, yeah. the UK, UK. Yeah, we all got on and we did it. And it was really fun. And I think Steve's intuition was correct. He laughed on that show at Fred uh, more than I've ever heard him laugh. And uh, he just was in tears. I, th- I could hear tears rolling down his cheeks uh, as he retold Fred stories because he just he loves him so much. Do you have a long relationship with Fred as well? Not as long as Steve, but for a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the that was the context, and uh, and I would agree with Fred. You're just to me, you're a funny guy, and it comes through sometimes in the way you deliver a line, your phrasing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So this I just the Steve Albini video today on drum tuning for some reason. Which is random. Drum tuning or drum miking? Tuning. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've watched the drum miking one because I wanted to emulate it um, at home. Yeah, he was talking about mics too, but mostly it was tuning. There's a guy here in Edmonton who uh, is a big fan of Steve's work, and I can tell I went in to do some... uh, I, I started this project of, uh, during the pandemic myself. To, uh, I connected with um, a hero of mine, a bass-playing hero of mine, and I, I just thought I would uh, send him drum tracks, and he immediately sent back all the—well, not immediately, but pretty soon after, sent all these bass parts on these shaky drum tracks. I, th- I thought they were shaky. I was playing to nothing. I was improvising. I didn't know what I was doing. And he put all these yeah. parts on it, and it immediately sounded quite solid. So at some point, I got to get this project back up on the run, uh, back up and running. But I've been reaching out to people to collaborate with me and my. Uh, who was that? Who was the bass player? Well, I'll tell you, and I haven't said this to anyone else because I feel like it's still in gestation. But it's uh, Mike Watt. Oh, all right. You, you've 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 crossed paths with Mike Watt, I believe. Yes. Of course. Yeah. At Massey Hall one time we played together. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's lovely and was very generous. And uh, when I he interviewed me and he said, uh, you know, when you go on his show, you, have you been on his show? Uh, no, my brother has. Oh, your brother. What was the context there? So when I, I was playing with Watt, my brother's band opened for us and uh, Watt just invited him to be on the show and talk about his band. <laughs> Let's see. That's the lovely spirit of Watt. So he has me on the show. And for those who don't know, like when he, I thought he was inviting me because I was like a journalist podcast guy, but no, he's like, uh, send me 10 songs. I'm like, okay. So I found 10 songs from throughout my, uh, you know, very minor, uh, career as a, and I sent them to him. And by the end of the 10th song, he said, do you still play the drums? And I said, uh, no, no, I play with my son sometimes, but there's a pandemic and I just moved here and, People have asked me to play. I just haven't got around to it. Send me some drums. I'll, put, I'll slap some bass yeah. on them. And he did it. It was great. Lovely. Yeah. So he's a great guy, and I want to get that project going. And I've, a bunch of people said they would put stuff on top of it. So I just haven't talked about this with anyone else. But what the hell? People often like, what was that project you alluded to? I'm like, ah, it's not really. I want it to be something before I say what it is, you know? But, Jay, I trust you, and I shared it. So we'll see what happens. Maybe this will light a fire under my own my own ass here. Why were we talking about? I liked, I liked an album I did with what something instructors. Is it unknown instructors? Like you played on one of his records. You mean? Yeah. It's me. What 
and uh, George Hurley, and then some guy doing poetry over it. I liked it. It came out pretty good. Wow. So kind of like a, a basically a Minutemen reunion as much as there can be. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it. Unknown instructors, or I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I'm blanking on the name too. Sorry, he, he's hard to keep up with. He does so many projects. Yeah, yeah. Why was I talking about this? Oh, Lou Reed. So you say uh, Lou Reed was friendly with you, and sometimes other heroes of yours aren't. Tellingly, it's not, fr- it's not friendly. It's just like I can tell they just do not get where I'm coming from. <laughs> You don't understand me exactly. Uh, uh, just they just look at me. I don't know what it is, but, but what I want to get to. Sometimes it takes a while. I'll like keep talking, and then suddenly something I'll click, and they'll sort of, you know, I don't know. Like uh, we just played with this guy from the Roots. He just sat in with us, and I remember sitting in with the Roots on Jimmy Fallon and him saying kind of the same thing to me like like I don't really get where you're coming from <laughs> and now and now I'm playing with him later and I think he's starting to figure it out. Are you this is Captain Kirk? Yeah. Are you playing with him more? Like beyond what you've just done? No, but it was it came out well like it was like it was a stretch for us to play with him. Like he's very we were stretching our ability to keep up with him, kind of, but then it came he's out. He's very good. He's very, very good. Yeah. And he's telling us, like, oh, just go into Hey Joe here. Like, we know any songs. We're just like... <laughs> so I had to, sh- my other friend who was opening had to show me how to play Hey Joe. So I knew, because I had no, I don't know how to play any songs. So I just never thought about learning. I'm like, on drums, I can play songs because I played when I was a kid in cover bands and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I started same. guitar and I never thought about learning any songs. That's kind of cool. You just you took you just started playing it on your own. Didn't try to copy anyone. Yeah, I just wanted to write my own songs and have the band, but I didn't. I wasn't trying to like learn Led Zeppelin songs on guitar or anything. Yeah. So Lou Reed was sort of uh, for those of us who know a little bit about him, he was uh, certainly uh, post Velvet Underground, really kind of a gear and tech head. And he really oh. like he liked technology and and he also respected virtuosity. And all I wanted to get to is and I and, you know who knows what was going on with him that day. He was in a good mood generally. But do you think it makes a difference when a hero of yours who's also a colleague? Do you think it's easier for them to understand you if they've seen you play? Like, do they relate to you as a colleague and then want to get to know you a bit better? Um, yeah, that probably would help. Yeah, if they saw my band, then they could make some connections or something. Yeah, that would probably help. Have you ever been approached by a fan or someone who says, Oh, Jay, I I love you, man. I, I, I can't We're going to share the stage. And then you're like, all right, all right. Settle down, sir. And then when they play, if you're impressed by them, it just it does create a little rapport, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's all I'm getting at. That's all I'm getting at. We picked one song, and I think I don't want to pry too much. <laughs> I think there is a lot going on with yous and eyes, and I I I assume these are pretty deeply personal songs. Is that I know all songs are, but I feel like you're processing something, maybe the same thing throughout this record. I can't quite tell. But 
lot of feeling here and a lot of um, pondering yourself and others it, when you are adopting. Sorry, is any of this actually first person or do you feel like you're writing near when you use I? Do you feel like you're talking about yourself a lot or are you uh, adopting character voices a lot? I don't know. It depends on the song. It's yeah, I'm not talking about myself probably that much. A lot of times it's like, yeah, people more yelling at me. (laughs) (laughs) Are there love songs here? Would you say? Uh, Could be. I don't remember offhand. Right behind you. What's that? Is that a title of a song? (laughs) Yes, it is. No, I I was telling you to look out. There's something right behind you there, Jay. Be careful. Uh, Yeah, there's a song called Right Behind You, talking about you, me, where we thought we'd be, right behind you. We can't believe it's me. It gets a little... Sorry, I don't mean to (laughs) echo people who run India, Jay, but that's a little weird. Uh, It's like a Lynchian almost. You know where that thing kind of came from? Um, No. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Listen, everyone, I've done my best to, uh, no, I'm kidding. I, Jay, I, I hope this isn't trying for you to, uh, be asked about your song lyrics. It's, I'm, I like them oh, and I'm, I'm curious about them and you're on the phone with me. So who better to ask? You know what I mean? And a lot of time, a song will, a line is like the whole thing. It's not like a one line is just a whole thought and it might not have anything to do with anything else in the song. It could, you know, it's not necessarily that the song, all the lines relate to each other. It could be just different ideas. Sometimes one line is enough to express what I was thinking of, and then I'll move on to something else in the song. You know, there's maybe I'm I'm dwelling too much on the uh, fact that uh, I or sorry, maybe I'm trying to find meaning and abstraction a bit too much. This song that I just referenced. Also as a part, when a smile exposes everything you fear, I would go inside, but you just disappear. I can't wait it out, and you can't wait to hear. Like, there's just this sensory confusion and temporal confusion, and it gets sort of meta and weird. And I think it's sort of, I don't know, feels like a lot of surrealism maybe, and I'm viewing that as reality. Does that make sense? I mean, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound too far out. When you read it back, it sounds just like, Two people trying to communicate. Yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe it's maybe it has a lot to do with communication. You don't understand me. It's certainly about communication and and miscommunication. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I think people need. <laughs> uh, I don't want to sound like I'm waving the white journalistic flag here. Yeah. But I am going to. I'm going to let you be right. and suggest that people people should dig into this. I hope this wasn't too uh, arduous for you to answer vague questions about what the hell you might be singing about. No, that's fine. Nice. Uh, so, Jay, you don't... What's... I guess you don't know what you're doing in terms of playing behind this record, uh, and it seems like something, like I said earlier, you do kind of have to reacquaint yourself with. Do you have any other future plans with Dinosaur Jr. or any of your other projects that are forthcoming as we're speaking? Uh, I have a which albums coming out, and I have a few witch shows this week. That's my next thing I was thinking about. Oh, okay. And then we're doing some more where you've been stuff. And then and we're going to, in February to Australia, do some where you've been stuff. And then, um, yeah, another other thing I had some solo shows planned, but then we got this tour in the fall where they don't want me to play anywhere. Cause it, oh, 
Oh, dinosaur has a. You mean yeah. dino? Oh, man, man, Micro. you get you, you radius clawsed yourself. I know, and it's just like it doesn't make much sense, but I would think your intimate solo. I assume your solo shows are probably a little smaller scale than your dino shows, like in terms of the rooms you would play. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. So, but somehow they didn't want. That's to. really most people have trouble associating even a key member of a band outside of their band name. Like I've seen Joe Lally play in Toronto and I'm surprised like solo. And I love Fugazi. I love Joe Lally. You would think a lot of people would come out just to, to support Joe. And uh, sometimes I've been surprised. I'm like, huh, I thought there'd be more people here. And I've come to realize from moments like that, like people don't think of the people in a band the same way they think of the band name. <laughs> it's like branding or something, you know? So, yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't want me to play, but they don't. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm sorry. I think you playing solo would only help the dino shows. Doesn't that make sense? What are you talking to me? That's not my thing. I don't know. <laughs> now you're a problem. I'm sorry. All right. That's fine. Now, if people want to learn more about you, Jay, uh, and this record and, and anything else, I, I, we know that it's on Sub Pop Records. Uh, do you want uh, you on social media or any other internet thing you want to tell people about? I don't, I don't really do much social media, but people do it on my behalf. So I guess I have a, all the stuff under my name and Dino. Hmm. When you say people do it, do you ever do it? Do you ever engage sometimes? No. Okay. This is a choice you made. Did you, did you, when it showed up and, and, and we all started using it, we were like, nope, yeah. not for me. Yeah. To me, I was like, to me, it felt like, going to a high school reunion or something like <laughs> I, I don't, i'm not into that really so i just kind of yeah i've never been to a high school reunion or so i that's what it felt like to me so i didn't really it's like i don't need to talk to all these people anyway so i don't miss them when they're gone and why would i want to re-engage with them now i i don't see why people think you're weird at all this is a very normal outlook. This is what I would be like. This is what I'm like. I don't need to see yeah. all these people. I agree. So I think people are uh, strange. Other people, not you and me. If we can go out on a song from uh, What Do We Do Now, I know you might be foggy on some of the titles, but uh, if you can pick one song for us, Jay, if one comes to mind, uh, that would be great. And uh, beyond that, uh, if you can tell us why it came to mind, I would also appreciate that. Can you do that? Well, I would think of the first song just because I always put, the first, my favorite song, I usually put first on an album, so why not listen to that one? It's got a video also. So, And just so I'm clear, because I've been having some uh, music download library issues, you're referring to Can't Believe We're Here? Sounds right to me. I can't okay. be 100% sure, but I'm 99% sure. Yeah, okay. I believe that's correct, and we're going to go to it now from the wonderful new Jay Maskus album, what do we do now? This is Can't Believe We're Here. Jay, uh, it's just always a, it's been a long time since you and I have spoken. And uh, I just want to say it's an honor. I, I love you and your music. So thank you for making some time for me on my birthday. And, <laughs> and I wish you the best of luck in the future. All right. Thanks. Happy birthday. Thank you. Everybody made a fuss 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, that was really uh, thrilling to have Jay Maskus on this show. Talked to him once before on the record uh, back in the day, and uh, this was really fun. And... Uh, Maybe I should have not asked about the lyrics, I guess. I, didn't, I knew it. I knew it as I was like, he's not going to want to talk about his lyrics. Why are you asking about his lyrics? But sometimes I ask about people's lyrics, as you know, and sometimes it goes well. And sometimes you get like, I don't know. I don't know why I wrote the thing. And uh, you never know. I think we got some good stuff about that song, uh, You Don't Understand Me. That was really interesting. I didn't know that uh, he had such trouble interacting with uh, his musical hero. So anyway, why am I doing this postmortem on my own show? I'll leave that to you. Thanks again for listening to this episode with Jay Mascus. It happens to be the 834th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also follow me on various social media platforms like uh, the big ones and the new ones like Blue Sky and all those ones. There's a link in the show notes that says follow Vish online. So just follow me on, you know, whatever, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, Threads, whatever those things are. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. Uh, $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content uh, and you get episodes earlier than everybody else. $10 or more a month, if you can swing that. You get entered in uh, monthly prize pack draws. And uh, as we're speaking, it's January 2024. We're giving away uh, a big, uh, uh, what is it? A Beggars Group Canada prize pack featuring uh, a bunch of records by people on Matador and 4AD and uh, also a copy of Mark Masters' book, High Bias. So excited to give that away. And uh, depending on when you hear this, if you hear it by January 31st, and you're at that $10 level, or you bump up to that $10 level a month on Patreon, you get entered in a draw. So if you can, do that. Uh, have some fun. Take your chances. Roll the dice. Support this show. And if you want a Creative Control t-shirt, message me on Patreon, and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thanks again to the wonderful Alberta record store, Blackbird Music. You can go visit them in person in Calgary and Edmonton, or you can order records from their website, blackbird.ca. I also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for lending me some music on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jay Maskus. I hope you'll check out his new album. It's a beautiful one. I hope you'll subscribe to this show or follow it and tell your friends all about Creative Control. 
and how uh, sometimes when I ask people about their lyrics, it goes better than others. Otherwise, I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.